بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back to the Ilmfeed podcast with your host Shabir Hassan uh, uh, and alhamdulillah we're back with uh, yet another episode another remote episode of course still not back in the studio however we have uh, a very special guest alhamdulillah again today uh, with us more local this time um, and yeah someone who I look up to someone who is the founder of uh, the White Thread uh, Institute and uh, a British imam and scholar uh, none other than Mufti Abdurrahman Mangera. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi sheikh. Wa alaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Nice to be with you in this remote fashion. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and uh, how have you been and how's lockdown been? Alhamdulillah. You know, lockdown has been a blessing in some ways. Alhamdulillah. In a lot of ways, actually. Yeah. Uh, I stopped traveling and was able to sit ba- down. And initially, it was very busy trying to deal with all the thick of the lockdown, with all the various <laughs> people, where do you do Juma and so on. But Alhamdulillah, yeah. a lot of blessings in everything that Allah does. Allah make it easy. I can see the uh, the the bookshelf behind you, and I think for for a lot of the imams and teachers, I think that's just been the standard setting during lockdown, isn't it? Just have the book bookshelf behind bookcase behind you, teaching with the camera. <laughs> standard yeah, setting now. Convenient place, I guess, to do it. Otherwise, you yeah, have the place and people exactly. No, thank you. Thank you for joining us, inshallah. We've got some very interesting discussions um, today to have. Um, starting, I mean, since we're talking about books, we'll, I guess we'll start with that, because mashallah, um, as well as being a teacher and lecturer, you're also an author um, and you've published many books. And we're going to speak about one in particular today on marriage a bit later on. Um, but I just wanted to quickly ask you to start with, how's that experience been with um, authoring books? I mean, I mean, I guess it's completely different. You know, you're lecturing, you're teaching, you're having face-to-face interaction with a lot of students. Um, which one do you prefer? Let's start with that. Do you do you do you actually enjoy the writing process, um, or do you feel like you know it's just easier to just communicate in a classroom while teaching? Uh, to be honest, I, I'd rather communicate <clears throat> in a classroom. Yeah. I think it's just easier. You can just you don't have to worry about grammar and a lot of those things, which you have to be very. And I'm a perfectionist when it comes to uh, writing. So it yeah. takes me longer than others, I guess. I don't just churn things out and put them out there. Mm. Uh, but alhamdulillah, you know, both both are very enjoyable. To be honest, they both have their own little little joys. Alhamdulillah. What's the What's the process like? In I mean, uh, you know, we could probably do a whole podcast on publishing books and so on, um, which is not the intended purpose for today's episode. But just very briefly, what's the whole process like? Um, you know, someone might think it's a very kind of simple process. Yeah, you just go on Microsoft Word. Um, quickly write something um, but you know what is it like and uh, how has your experience been writing books so so we uh, I've been doing this for about 25 years I, I would think 23 to 25 years uh, and initially it was much more difficult and now it's become so much more easier because of ebooks and everything literally somebody could probably write something on Microsoft Word and then after that upload it get it converted into an ebook and then you know they would basically published through Amazon Kindle or something like that. Mm. However, the whole proper publication uh, process um, is that you you obviously write in Microsoft Word or any other word processor. And then after that, you generally professionally take it into a typesetting program. And the reason I got into publishing, which uh, I could have just been authoring and translating and giving somebody else, is just that initially it was just difficult to find a publisher 
uh, get the money available to do a lot of this work. So we decided, let's just do it ourselves. Let's try it. And Alhamdulillah, it just worked very well. In, in fact, our first book, Fikul Imam, um, within three months, we, we had sold a thousand copies. And that was a huge wow, boost. Alhamdulillah, all the books haven't done that well, but that was a huge boost, boost for a first book. But it was a really important topic that was needed for the time. And that was in like 96 or something like that. So Alhamdulillah, since then, we've just really enjoyed the process. And I really enjoy doing it. Uh, to hopefully get to you know benefit people inshallah i mean if you want me to explain basically that the the main points of publishing is that first you write a book or you translate a book you get it proofread and edited right don't yeah, yeah. i mean unless you know you're 100% in terms of your writing skills you know generally most people could really benefit from somebody else editing their work and then proofreading you need to generally go through two, three level, uh, levels of proofreading just to make sure the typos aren't there. Then after that, you have to find a publisher. Then it's basically typesetting, cover design. If you want to add an index, um, contents page making, all of that, then you find a printer, you negotiate with them, you get the print. Now it's all in your hands. Maybe you've got 500 copies, 1,000 copies, maybe 100 copies on a short print run. Now you have to try to get them out now. Uh, if you're going to give them out for free and mashallah, you've got charity money or you've got your own money, that's fine. That's probably going to be easy. Just go to different mosques, different programs, and give them out. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. selling the book afterwards and distributing it is a whole, you know, uh, separate process that requires as much effort as probably writing the book. Because you've written a wonderful book, but then if you don't get it out there, nobody knows about it, then have you wasted your time, you know? Yeah, so getting yeah. the book out there is another big is another and I get, obviously doing a podcast like this may help a book or a programs online or something else. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's basically the way it is. And ask Allah for qubuliya because you know you could oh, be yeah. really selling thousands of copies, but if Allah doesn't accept it, then you know uh, we need something for that hereafter. So may Allah accept these things and they can, Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Subhanallah. Um, another quick question in terms of writing a book: What's the longest you've spent just just writing? You've you've, you've just described the whole entire process before and after. But how long would you say you've spent? I'm sure it involves a lot of research as well and everything else. I, I think it really depends on the individual. So some people may want to focus on one book at a time, so mm-hmm. they don't have any other projects. They just focus on one book at a time. Now that could take you know, a few months to a few years, literally. There's books that we've been working on for 10 years. We don't. We overlap. We work on several projects at once. Mm-hmm. So right now, I've got Aqidah Tahawiyah, um, which has been on the works on the back burner, which is 90-something percent finished for many years. But we've got another book, uh, which uh, Adab al-Sahb of Sha'rani, which I'm working on, Hizbul Azam translation. So it's very difficult to quantify how long it takes. I would say the marriage book probably took around four years, though. Four years. But that, but that wasn't full-time work on it. We're doing okay. so many other things at the same time, sure. coming back to it, doing the work, coming back to it. So it, that took about four years. Really Same Islamic spirit took 10 years. That really? was just editing. That was wow. just editing the work. But that wasn't sustained work. Again, it's just mm. working on it. So it just depends on how people work. Wow. Okay, so you've mentioned the, the marriage book, the handbook of a healthy Muslim marriage uh, from um, White Thread Press. So alhamdulillah, this is, this is one of your latest books, uh, which I got hold of um, not too long ago. Um, I've had a read of it and, you know, I'm not saying it just because you're here, but mashallah, it was a very enjoyable read. And um, definitely, I would say it's very relevant as well. Um, you know, sometimes you may read a marriage book and it's talking about maybe things that aren't as relevant to us in our times today. So I feel like you've covered very comprehensively a lot of different things. One really interesting thing you mentioned as well um, 
is how you know uh, courses and you know programs on marriage are probably the most well attended um generally speaking in the community but in terms of the problems in terms of the disputes in terms of unfortunately the divorces and so on there's high high rates um today we're not really going to focus as much on the marriage itself um or you know uh conflict resolution and so on because we've actually discussed a lot of those things in previous episodes but one thing we're going to speak about is um i guess before marriage um well a lot of things a lot of things that maybe people don't think about beforehand or they kind of just rush into it and throw themselves in thinking hey marriage is going to be uh, this amazing awesome uh you know romantic journey that's going to be full of highs and you know uh, uh prosperity and so on right so um let's let's talk a bit about that i guess the first thing that i wanted to um to to ask you was taking it to the very beginning right before you've chosen your partner and any of those things like in islam what should our intention even be to get married and why do we get married because i guess again today you know people may in the west you know there may be a discouragement to even marry you know why do you need to get married for right you can just have a relationship so let's start with that and the 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 core intention behind getting married inshallah so as with a believer one of the beauty, beautiful things that assets that we have is that we can actually have multiple intentions and there are multiple valid intentions and i can't even you know enumerate all of them right now but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the quran wa laqad arsalna rusulan min qablik wa ja'alna lahum azwajan wa dhurriyyah so we've sent messengers before you and for all of them we uh, designated for them to have spouses and and dhurriyyah uh, and progeny so it's a sunnah of the prophets not just of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and you know you have that discussion in the quran so number one, we are intending inshallah to do something which is a perennial practice of humanity and especially through the prophets guided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that's one thing we're doing it's a very strongly emphasized uh, uh, practice of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam where he actually was upset when some people decided that they didn't want to marry uh, number 3 so you want to follow the messengers you want to follow the the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam himself you want to do it to have children procreate which is something the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam obviously um, encourage and number 4 it's to fulfill our permissible desires people have human desire most people that i know will have a desire they need to fulfill it in a lawful fulfill it in a lawful way and marriage is the way that we've been told to do this so that that would be another reason and to help somebody to assist somebody to uh, become a family unit uh, to benefit one another uh, there there could be multiple other uh, other intentions as well Uh, to develop oneself i have benefited hugely through marriage i had a lot of bad points i still do but alhamdulillah many of them through marriage through interaction just through the challenges i think i've improved on some of them just when you realize because you have to become less selfish um you know you have to be a bit um, you have to have empathy you have to develop that generosity caring about others and so on and so on. So I guess you're not going to have it all uh solved before you get married, right? I mean, you can't exactly be fully perfect before getting married and think, you know, uh because because I guess there's two extremes in this because you know, one of the points I wanted to cover was when are you actually ready to get married? And I guess the two extremes you may see is on one hand, people who really aren't ready to get married or mature enough or at that level, they just jump into it. And on the other hand, you've got people who maybe overthink so much. No, I'm not perfect. No, you know i'm not ready i can't commit and you know they they overthink things so 
What would you say is the balance when it comes to this in terms of being prepared and ready for marriage? Okay, so I, you know, there's one thing that after you write a book, you know, while you're writing a book or doing a study on something, you're too immersed in, in it to sometimes then take a step back and then see it again in a different way. So after yeah. we published the book, I mean, it's very comprehensive. We had about 20 people read it and give feedback and then we updated it accordingly. But there's one really, really important point, which is not in the book that I really want to share. And that is the preparation for marriage, as you're saying. Preparation for marriage. Number one, we're looking for the perfect other, the perfect spouse. Many people, they don't prepare themselves for the marriage. Generally, if you think about preparing yourself for marriage, this is what I would look at. When a person gets about 16, 17 years of age, generally their family members, like an uncle or something, will say, hey, you know, you're old enough to get married. We need to start finding somebody from you. So you start getting the yeah. butterfly, you know, feelings in the stomach. Like, hey, you know, that's a good idea maybe, right? Yeah. So that opens a vista in your mind. But you don't really do much about it, or maybe you do. And then after that, when you become 20-something, and then now you get serious about it, and you actually find someone, now the preparation is all on the day of the marriage or the two, three days and the honeymoon. What am I going to wear? Who am I going to call? What the food is going to be? And everything related to that. And weeks and weeks and weeks go by to prepare for this. Very few people prepare for after that, except like, okay, where are we going to stay? Do I have a home? Do I have a business? Do I have money coming in? But other than how am I going to interact with this person? So these are the points I want to mention. People need to be honest with themselves that, they have to be honest with themselves or trying to diagnose what my issues are going to be. And I'm going to just, I'm just going to mention three or four just as an idea. And people yeah. will be able to work this out for themselves. Number one, right. Um, number one, am I an angry person? Now we generally justify things to ourselves. Like we don't, we deny that we got a problem. Just think, just compare ourselves to our brothers and sisters, or our most closest colleagues. Do I get more angry? If I do, then you're probably going to have a problem in marriage. So get help beforehand. Because in marriage, there's going to be a lot of sparks. There's going to be a lot of issues that will come up. And if your idea is to just get angry quickly, you're going to probably destroy that marriage because many marriages today are being destroyed, right? Number mm. one. So go and get some anger management. If it's so bad, get anger management. You can get them online. You don't have to tell anybody about it. Just help yourself, believe me, because you don't want to mess up your marriage, okay? As many people have. And even if you are a married person and you know this is your issue, you can still get help and improve your marriage. That's number one. Number two, I'm going through very fast, right? Number two, yeah. are you a sensitive individual who tears very quickly and then stops speaking to people and so on? Very emotional, very sensitive if you are, you will know that because you'll know that when you compare yourself to classmates or family members or other people, just be honest. If that is the case, you're going to struggle. There's a brother, there's a, a sister that I know, a woman that I know, really good person, mashallah. She agreed to get married to a husband who had a few disabled family members. She was going to stay with the in-law, in-laws and help out. And she was completely fine with doing that. So they got married, but then realized that the mother-in-law used to give, get angry, sensitive, and used to stop speaking to her for like one or two days. Mm. So eventually that just was not sustainable, right? So alhamdulillah, the, the husband, he was an understanding person. He got a house close by and now their relationship is fine. You can't stop speaking to people just like that for no reason. Once yeah. my little child came, he's about seven or eight years old. He came home from school and said, hey, I'm not speaking to you know, some friend of his. I was like, where did you learn that from? Where are you learning to not speak to, uh, you know, not speak to somebody, you know, who's teaching you that? We don't do that yeah. at home. That is such a lazy way to deal with something. Deal with the matter, make dua for the 
your classmate because if you make dua and the person improves, you know, you're probably going to have a better next three, four years. Otherwise, you're going to have a constant problem with somebody. So mm-hmm. we need to prepare our children for these things. It's all akhlaq at the end of the day. Okay. Number three, am I, am I generous or am I stingy? Right. I mean, that's something everybody can figure out. Am I, am I stingier than because Allah has made all of us in different ways? I may have some qualities, but in other things, I may be more deficient than my brothers and sisters. So I may be smarter than them, but I may be more stingier than them. And that's mm-hmm. fine. I just need to work on it. I'm not punished for being uh, for having a natural trait of stinginess. But if I employ stinginess where I'm not supposed to, I will be sinful. And I'll give you an example. If you, if you don't give zakat because you're stingy, then that's sinful. Or you go out to eat with your friends, right? Whitechapel Road or wherever. And then when it comes to everybody's finished, when it comes to the bill time, you go to the toilet to wash your hands. Right? So somebody else can pay. Right? If you do things like that, then know that in marriage, your marriage is not going to be very healthy. Right? If you love your friends too much, or you love your football too much, or you love your computer games too much, right? Where you sit on there for hours, you're going to probably have a problem in your marriage. Or you probably are having a problem in your marriage. These are the ways to think. What I'm, are my quirks, my problems, my issues when I compare myself to others? Let me sort those out because believe me, marriage is very important that you keep those things in place. Preparation for marriage. This is the real preparation for marriage. You know where I got this from? Uh, when I, when I um, wrote the book, I sent it to about 15, 20 people, mostly women. But there was one guy, he came back and he said, you haven't written anything about premarital counseling. I was like, man, we're struggling with post-marital or in-marriage counseling. You know, we don't find enough counseling. You're talking about pre-marital counseling. And really, this is what it is. People have problems, right? People already have issues, right? And if they don't sort them out, and you know what? You don't have to tell anybody. There's a lot of help online these days. You can take online courses. And mashallah, if you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help, Allah will allow us to, there's a lot of suggestions for therapies of anger, sensitivity, and all of these things. For example, what I tell people who tear quickly and who are sensitive is that uh, instead of crying for no reason, pick up the Quran and read it with the translation and ponder. And there'll be so many things that you can use, you know, make value from your tears or raise your hands to Allah and just cry to him. You know, get something out of your crying as opposed to crying for nothing. Right. Mm. These are just some suggestions. I'm just uh, mentioning them very fast, of course. A lot of them. A lot of them seem to be uh, a lot of like. Uh, I don't know if this is the right term, but a lot of like self-discovery almost, where it's it's things. It's it's really things that are are quite obvious, but at the same time, because it's it's built in, it's programmed within us. Right. We just tend to overlook it. But I think that when it comes to marriage. Someone's going to point that out, and that's probably going to be your spouse. I think and it's not going to be the right time. You've hit the nail on your head. Maybe what we should say is that discover yourself before you're going to try to discover somebody else. I because like that. You know, you'll we'll read... add that in the ne- in the next book, inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. Inshallah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 a, that's a good point. So, so in terms of okay, so a lot of discovery here. Uh, one one other thing that you mentioned, Sheikh, was um, you know, this whole thing about um, if you spend too much time with your friends, or you love them too much, or you like going out, or you like your games, and so on, right? Um, I feel like this is also linked in somehow with preparing for marriage only because that, you know, you see a lot of times that when people get married, they expect to perhaps live the same lives that they were living before marriage. So, yeah, I mean, I go out with my boys every other night. Why can't I do that after marriage? Right. Or, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, I, 
I, I like playing games. What's wrong with that? You know, I play two, three hours a day. So what? Why should marriage change me for? So there seems to be this negative perception of why should marriage change me for? You know, people are, are so kind of against this. So what are your thoughts on this? And, and do you feel yeah, like it ties in? Yeah, you see, there's always going to be a change because now you've probably never lived this close to anybody new. I mean, we grew up with our parents and brothers and sisters so that we organically just grew with that. That was our surrounding. But mm. when you're introducing a new person to your life, then they are a human being. They're not an object that you just buy a book or something you put on the shelf. It, they are a human being. They have demands. They have feelings. They want something from you. And that's how marriages are fostered. You see a lot of people, they think that marriages, I'm just doing because everybody does it. Don't marry because everybody's doing it or to get somebody off your back that they keep telling me, when are you going to get married? Let me just do it for that sake. What you're going to do is you're going to mess up the other individual, right? You're going to destroy mm -hmm. them. So the point of marriage is that you actually make a life. It's the part of the sunnah. And one of the most amazing things, which actually is reflected in the last chapter of the book, marriage started in paradise. Hawa and Adam alayhi salam. And then it will end in paradise because you will be with your spouse in paradise. You're not going to be with your father or mother or sister or children. They're going to have their own spouses. Everybody's going to be with that. If you look in the Quran and Sunnah, most of the descriptions that you'll see of Jannah is all about spouse. In fact, I would say, what is paradise without a spouse? It's going to be boring. Absolutely. Right? Get married. Uh, well, I guess if you're not married, you'll, you can find a spouse in paradise if you get to Jannah because everybody's <laughs> going to have a spouse in paradise. But the point is that let us create that harmony in this world so we full, we we help one another to inshallah to get to paradise so mm. you you will have to make adjustments otherwise you will find that you're going to have problems in your marriage if you don't go in with an open mind now obviously when it when you've done five six ten years of marriage after that you can eventually reach a comfortable setting where you can pursue you know, you, you can pursue a lot of other goals and that, but initially you are going to have to spend the bulk of your time with your spouse just to get to know one another and to even out the the nooks and crannies and all of these other things mm, until yeah. you can get comfortable. She's comfortable, I'm comfortable, and then, you know, we can... So it's not the end of life. It's not like end of your projects, but it's just that it needs to be reined in. Yeah, so, so I guess it requires a lot more investment initially um compared to later on because you have to like you said help kind of build and foster that relationship it takes a bit yes. more time initially i guess right I, I can't say that for everybody okay <laughs> because every marriage is unique and it depends yeah. on the individual it depends on how demanding they are and i think at the end of the day you never know what it's going to be like so mm. that's why marriage is a divine institution where we have to ask Allah for assistance. If Allah puts barakah in the, in the wedding, in the marriage, then things will fall into place more easily. That's why the dua that we give to married couples is what? Barakallahu lak wa baraka alayk wa jama'a baynakuma fi khair. It's got, the Prophet doesn't repeat himself for no reason, but he's given two duas of barakah in that one supplication. So blessing is important. That's why... One of the secrets that I think is that if you do everything according to the sunnah when you're trying to get married and then in your marriage, inshallah, there'll be blessing. You just need that additional ingredient. You can mm. only do so much yourself. Another important point um, you touched on uh, was that some people may get married because of just this pressure. So, you know, aunties and uncles coming up to you saying, hey, you're 25 now, why aren't you married yet? And you're like, oh, you know, so you just kind of like, there's this, there is this pressure and, and I find that it's very prevalent within the, our community as well. How do we overcome that? Because I guess 
it's not just advice now to the person looking to get married. I guess this is now even advice to the elders as well. Like it could potentially be dangerous if you're if you're just pressured into getting married and you're not actually ready for it. Then does that then lead to problems down the line in the marriage? Yeah, th- th- this is a really difficult question because then on the one hand you definitely need to be prepared. So prepare yeah. yourself for marriage. But at the same time, if somebody is thirty, thirty-five, you know, it definitely uh, decreases the pool of people that you could probably find. So you are running against time. So I think the thing is that we should not pressure somebody to get married. I mean, Subhanallah, in some of our cultures, right, they get you married by force, and that is obviously an absolute no-no in Islam. You know, because yeah. in Islam, the woman has a right to agree or disagree to say yes and approve a marriage or not. Unfortunately, in some cultures, I've seen people lose their faith over this because they think what their father did or their mother did was Islamic, whereas it's actually cultural, not Islamic. So yes, people, uh, our young people need to be prepared. Now, if we don't prepare them as parents, as I said, parents need to prepare them. We need to actually show them what good marriage is. If the husband and wives had problems, they're divorced, that they're constantly bickering or at one another, I mean, subhanAllah, I mean, maybe the children don't want to get married. Sometimes some, of, some people have had bad experiences. And what that does is that that makes them hate. For example, I know some men who just hate all women now because they've had a problem with one wife. So they think everybody else is like that. And likewise, you've got some women who've had a problem with a husband or two husbands, and now they just think every man is like that. In fact, one, uh, just an anecdote, I was at a, at a meeting, at a food that was about 11 people there, right? There was 11 guys there, let's put it that way. And somebody called me and they had this issue. And I said, look, let me just give you a survey of the cross section of society. I said, I've got 11 people here. Out of them, if I assess them, there's one of those guys. About 10 years ago, he got divorced from his first wife. And then he got married again. And now, mashallah, you know, he's got three or four or five children. He's completely happy. Okay. So he had a bit of a hiccup, but he's fine now. There's another one who was actually married twice and never worked out. And now he's not married. But the other nine, they were, they're married first time around and their same wife. And they've been married for over 10, 15 years with children and everything. So yeah. it doesn't have to be bad. You know, don't be so depressed. Don't mark everybody with the same brush. Mm-hmm. So prepare yourself. And the way to prepare yourself is actually to look at the, the, the Prophet and Sunnah. That he got married, not just to one, but, you know, more than one. And the interactions is a joy in that. Right. To understand the sunnah, the reward you will. Be, I mean, essentially, if you do marriage for a sunnah, you're rewarded 24 hours a day for the duration of your marriage. That's an amazing free reward. Psychologically, number two, psychologically, it's hugely helpful. I mean, there is a hadith that says that you've completed half of your deen. There's many explanations of that. I've mentioned those in the book. But one simple one is that human beings need interaction. You know, we need dopamine and we need oxytocin. Right. So that's the love drug. Now, you can get it in a haram way. Right. Uh, Oxytocin is released when you touch somebody, when you hug somebody, when you embrace someone or in the act of, you know, sexual intercourse. Now, you can do that in a haram way and that would you'd be sinful for that. But humans need that because that removes depression. Right. It's the love drug. They call it the love drug as well. And they found that actually married people just do much better. They're more settled. They're more comfortable because it's a human life. Subhanallah, it's just human beings. That's what it's all about. Marriage is about human beings, right? So there's a huge benefit in that if you can get the loving spouse that you can interact with to get that oxytocin. I mean, if you want to reduce it down to these chemicals and things like that. So people need to understand why they need to get married. 
but they should be ready for the marriage and that's why they should actively prepare yeah so so there's a lot of um you know mashallah you've mentioned a lot of spiritual benefits um to marriage uh, to view it from that islamic lens as well as opposed to just this is just a relationship that i'm going to have with a woman for the next for the next you know whatever few years right and i'm going to have children but actually what we're saying is that it's a sunnah and you know it's a way of life and there's a lot of other benefits as well as you know spiritual benefits there as well so that's 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 a that's a good way of definitely looking at it i think a lot of people maybe don't view it in that sense they just see it as just a relationship um and again you know coming back to um you know this whole uh, idea of what what is it like to be ready um for marriage right um what other things would you add in there um to say you know what cuz cuz you can't you can't pin it down you know some 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 guy could be 20 and he's ready to get married and someone else who's like 28 says they're not ready to get married so how how would you kind of summarize that you know as as best possible right so i think one of very important thing is that you need to know what marriage is and it's like i want to drive so what i do is i learn to drive from my older brother or something illegally and then i just take the car and i drive i could learn that way but that's not going to be very professional and i'm probably going to run a light i'm probably going to i mean god forbid but might knock somebody out right so a lot most people today are getting married without absolutely no idea of marriages of what married marriage is so wherever i've gone and given a seminar uh, on the book or otherwise throughout the country or internationally my recommendation to the masjid committee and the imams is that do not perform nikahs in your masjid because people generally come to the masjid to do nikahs right yeah. don't perform nikah unless they've taken a course on marriage or they've written a, at least read a book on marriage All right the reason is that people just don't know the ins and outs the challenges the issues the 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 pitfalls the, what that are going to come about in marriage and organically speaking where have we learned about marriage from people learn from their own parents now if they've got a healthy relationship alhamdulillah that's very good but lo- a lot don't number 2 from i don't know what what's that soap opera called eastenders or something right yeah. you know people marrying and messing around and even if they do get married after like so many years of dating or flirting around or whatever what's your concept of marriage you know get that right it's like when you want to drive you 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 go and you take a test and i'm not saying you take a test here but in malaysia they do not allow you to do nikah until you've done a course and i really think we need a lot of marriage courses especially like you know marriage season was now so we should have had one in march then have another one so i have two marriage courses a year make sure people te- this should be standardized take a course in mm. marriage so now you know what you're going to be up against you're going to be better of number 2 go and talk to a few marriage people ask them how what their challenges were you know people who you can speak to informally and frankly and be in you know um, uh, be be close to like that speak to them and ask them you'll hear lots of stuff you know you'll hear lots of things so try to ask several different people and just be prepared for that don't just think you know you are mr right or you want mrs right or you know whatever it is go go prepare for it in that sense mm. um d- did you did you uh, you know there's obviously who you should be looking for all right Yeah so, yeah we're going to we're going to we're going to come gonna, to that as well okay, yeah sure. definitely we're going to come to uh who, who you know what to look for in a spouse as well and who um but yeah no i think that that's a great summary in terms of um how to know when basically you're ready um to get married and i think there's definitely a lot of uh, factors there uh, to bear in mind i think the course thing is very interesting i think a lot of people don't like you said um they have this i guess 
this uh, perception from Hollywood and Bollywood, right? That's, I guess, the, the, the reference for most youngsters today. Let's be real, like when it comes to relationships, oh yeah, marriage is gonna be, you know, those dinners and holidays and all of that. But actually they don't think about, what about the 20... no, no, Sorry, now no, it might yeah, also be, um, it might also be um, marriages in, from Erturo as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, of but I don't, I don't think you're gonna get a tent and do a marriage like that. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, they had a whole um, culture. That's a very tribal culture. I don't think that, yeah. you know, you can relate to that. Yeah, so, but I think, I think still the the idea of, you know, it's just going to all be happy, hunky-dory, you know, this is the way it's going to be. It, not that we're, we're discouraging marriages to not be happy. Inshallah, it will be. But, you know, just this idea of what about living together? What about, you know, adapting to each other? What about understanding each other's differences and all of that? You don't think of that. You just think about, okay, yeah, it's going to be a holiday, honeymoon, this, that. So how how can a young, you know, Muslim, Muslima come to terms with this? Um, when approaching marriage, as I said, I mean, number one, if they just uh, really, if they if they're just really upfront with themselves and they think about what's generally they found challenging in their relationship with others, right? Because you know, if you've had a roommate or you just share and go to class together with somebody, right? Take some lessons together, and in that you have issues. Then imagine living with somebody and sleeping with them and eating with them and you know, everything and being, you know, responsible for them and with them. How are you going to deal with that? So just understand the flare-ups and the problems and the weaknesses and deal with that. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The other thing is that there are obviously some other practical aspects like for the men, it's like, will I be able to monetarily support this marriage? So clearly a job and having a place to stay, having support behind to fall back on as in parents or somebody else. You know, that's also very important from a girl's perspective, from a woman's perspective. There's obviously like, do I want to study some more? Um, do I want children in the marriage? Uh, how, uh, you know, am I ready to go into it right now? Um, will I be able to dedicate myself? Um, so all of these things. Uh, and then, of course, do the classes, do, do the interviews, uh, sorry, um, um, chats with other people who are married. And then and then after that, I think just just go from there. Mm, OK, now let's come to the point about, um, you know, let's say, inshallah, you've now discovered yourself and, you know, you've you've done the preparation on your end as best as possible. I guess the next question would be that a lot of people ask is, what do I now look for? Um, in a spouse, uh, in terms of Islamically speaking, and just you know, how because how, a lot of people they just don't know. This is the first time they've ever come across this. You know, the only time they've, like you said, you know, have come across marriages their parents or maybe that some of their siblings got married, but they don't really know what to do and what to look for. It's just you know, I guess most people will just flag up the uh, beauty first thing. You know, yeah, as long as I'm they're good looking, as long as I'm attracted to them, Bismillah, I, I'll, I'll get married. But how can you kind of filter that and, and understand really what it is you're looking for? Okay, so th there's two aspects to this, right? Number one, let's start with the hadith, right? Um, the hadith says, the Prophet Sallallahu made an observation and he was speaking to men. So he said, generally women are married for four things. And that, that was just generalizing. It's not exhaustive. And he said, either for their wealth, for their beauty, for their family lineage, that's a very important thing, right, in many cultures still, and for their deen. He said, just make sure you're successful, make sure you're a winner when it comes to the deen. Now, um, firstly, there's some misunderstanding about this hadith that it should all be deen, 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 
right? Mm. And we just ignore the other three points. The Prophet never said to ignore the other points. He just said that make sure you definitely get this deen one, which is the religion. Number two, what does the religion mean? Right mm. here in this context is very, very important. So firstly, you know, if you look at Ibn Hajar, all the main hadith commentators like Ibn Hajar and Al-Alama Aini, Mullah Ali Al-Qari, when they've discussed that hadith about the four things, they've said that, the, that this is not discouragement from the other three. This is just that the priority should be given to the deen. But if you do get the other three, all of them, then you're a very lucky person. If you get somebody from a good family, you, you get somebody with wealth and with beauty, mashallah, and the deen, Allahu Akbar, you know, you're going to be laughing to Jannah, inshallah. Right now, the thing is that you see what I, I just want to, you know, there's not much exposition on this idea. The, the thing about the family is that we can look at it from a modern perspective of genetics. If you get married to somebody, see, families, families are known to have certain qualities and obviously maybe some bad traits. Some families are known to be very religious. Some are known to be very faithful, very generous, maybe just very decent people. I remember when I first took up an imamid position in a certain masjid. There was a local scholar there and he, amazing, he sat me down. He said, I'm going to tell you about the prominent families of this area, right? So that you are aware of how to deal with them. And so on, he said, okay, this family is like this. This one is like this. This family, he said, they are very upfront and decent people. They will never, you know, like do riba and things like that. Families are known for this kind of things, mm. right? So you get that, you're going to get that benefit of those genes in your children, because our responsibility is towards producing children. So that's the good thing about looking for a good family in that sense, because you're providing that for your children and a good interaction with yourself. When it comes to wealth, obviously you don't want to make that the main point because they may lose all their wealth and you'll have nothing. But if they do come with wealth, alhamdulillah, you know, your children are going to benefit from a good inheritance. You'll get some good maybe um, gifts from your in-laws. Maybe they'll buy, help you buy a house, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's not your primary reason. And then the beauty one. Subhanallah, this is probably the most deluding one because people think beauty is everything. Remember, beauty, you are not going to get married and then you've you found this, you know, stunning model or a, if it's a, a scholar, you know, you found a Michelin starred Alima, all right, <laughs> that you want, you know. Now, are you going to take her and put her on a pedestal, right, and then just look at her all day long in your marriage? Is that what marriage is about? Because she's so beautiful. She's so stunning. Right. That's not what marriage is about. The real grind of your daily you know, issues are then going to come up. Then that beauty is only going to matter sometimes. It will, it will matter. Believe me, this person I know, he was studying an alim class. You know, he's becoming a scholar. He was in his last huh. year and he'd read the hadith and misunderstood it. And he kept going on and saying that, you know, I don't care about beauty and all of these things. I'm just going to look for the deen. There was a married student in his class. He said, look, there are a lot of attractive people out there. And if when you come home, you're not attracted to your spouse, you're going to struggle. So he changed this view, right? So that's all about that. Now, what does deen mean in this context? It doesn't mean just somebody who prays and fasts and wears hijab or niqab. No, it's the, you see the, one of the biggest parts of the deen that relate to marriage is the akhlaq and the character and the conduct. The prayers and all of that is important for Allah there. But akhlaq and character, demeanor, conduct is what's most important. That's the part of the deen that you should be successful with. And we can prove this from a hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said, I am the best of you to my wives, and I'm the best of you with, uh, in character. 
character is the ultimate thing to moderate your character. That's the biggest thing that you need. So that's the hadith, right? The deen and these things. Now there are some other suggestions from, for example, from a woman's perspective. And I learned this obviously from my wife. One of her advices is that for a woman, especially because in Islam, there's a hierarchy. The husband is supposed to be in charge, responsible for the entire household. It doesn't mean he's a dictator. It just means he's responsible monetarily, tarbiyah wise, you know, education, all of that. Now, to maintain that hierarchy, if the wife cannot respect her husband, this marriage is not going to last. I've asked so many men, said the one thing that they think is success in marriage is that the wife respects the husband, like considers him respect worthy. Obviously, he needs to be respect worthy, right? And that means, for example, if you are born here and you are being forced to get married from back home and you can't respect somebody who can't speak English probably, don't get married to them. Because you're constantly going to look down upon them. It doesn't have to be the case. I know so many people who respect their husband even though they, they don't speak as well English. But they've right. got so many other qualities. Number two, I think this is where it comes from. Like, Don't get married to somebody shorter than yourself. Right? <laughs> the husband should not be shorter. Right? Um, preferably the husband should be um, more qualified than you. Right? Because otherwise you need to respect. I've dealt with a, fa- with a couple... They were both lawyers in America. Now, in America, being a lawyer or a doctor is like a prestige thing, all right? But then it also depends now which university. So one of them, the wife was a graduate from University of Chicago, and the man, uh, the husband was from some lower university. And there was a superiority complex there, which disturbed the marriage, and now they're divorced. I'm not saying that was the only reason, but you need to think for yourself what is most important for me, right? And don't be too, you know, um, close-minded about that but you need to think about these things so that you can learn to respect and honor the other individual so there's a lot of other practical suggestions like that a lot of other practical suggestions like that and in the book i've actually got about 50 questions that you can ask not all 50 you don't want to ask all 50 but you can find what's relevant to you like do you want to travel are you going to move out of the country do you want children now you know and 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 so on and so forth are the in-laws going to be involved all of these are relevant questions that you can ask yeah, no, I'm, I'm uh, really, mashallah, comprehensive. Um, I think in terms of one really um, important point, I think I'm really glad that you uh, t- touched on um, was the fact that deen isn't just about the, isn't just about or restricted to the prayers and so on, but actually a lot of it is to do with the character. I guess this is a huge one today, again, when it comes to understanding this, because a lot of youngsters say, oh, you pray five times a day? Khair, inshallah, you know, that's it, you know, I, 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 I'm onto a winner here. Because um, they, they've misunderstood what deen means. Oh, it's just, you, you wear a hijab, that must mean you're perfect, your akhlaq. So the, the fact that you mentioned akhlaq, I think that's so, so important for a lot of youngsters to understand today that deen is like an embodiment of, you know, the sunnah, embodiment of the Qur'an, not just, I'm even titles, I guess, as well. I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with me, Sheikh, but even just to have a title, you know, I'm getting married to a hafiz of the Qur'an. That must mean I'm getting married to... The, the prince, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sorted for life. People actually think like this. No, that's a wonderful thing. If, it, if they can yeah, just yeah. come with good akhlaq, mashallah, you know, then you are very lucky, right? Mm. Then you're very lucky. The, the, the other thing, um, actually, no, I'll let you carry it because I, I've forgotten what I was going to say. It was a very important point. That's all right. We'll come back to it, inshallah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, that, that's what I'm saying. It's just that, it's just this perception again today, coming back to, I think a lot of it is to do with perception is Dean 
I think is a lot more than that um, akhlaq in the way that we treat people and that we are. So I think that's really important. And you you touched on the other ones as well. For example, the the beauty aspect where there's extremes in that as well, um, or the wealth or the the lineage side of things. Um, and I think each one definitely again, uh, it's really important to just you know investigate each one um, as opposed to isolating and just looking at prestige and wealth and honor or family because I guess it it, it, it is still maybe not as common today uh, but I think it's still quite an issue when it comes to these things maybe where just based on one thing that you turn a proposal down you know just like oh well you know they tick all the boxes but you know um, the I don't know the, the family is like from some village back home, which I don't really like. Therefore, it must be a complete no-no. And then based on that, you know, so I think it's from, from I guess, what you're saying is that it's a contributing factor, but that's not going to completely define the, the person, right? Because I, I still think that's a big thing today in the community in terms of looking at a particular tribe or village and turning it down just based on that, I'm saying. There's two things here. No, num, no, number one is culture, right? That's what we're discussing maybe. So look, there's some aspects of culture which is very toxic, which is very suffocating, and it's very problematic. And we need to shed that off. But there's a really beautiful side of culture. We cannot divorce ourselves of culture, right? So for example, the day of Eid, right? There's only certain things that we're required to do from a religious perspective. Beyond that, it's all going to be cultural. And as long as it doesn't go against the deen, it's fine. Right. Yeah. There are just certain human cultural things that we do. I know a guy, he's he's Gujarati. He got married to a Bangladeshi girl and they were both non-cultural. They thought they were right. <laughs> they thought we they, they, they both, you know, they thought we're not going to bring any culture in. So, you know, for example, Bangladesh is uh, you have to go to the wife's house and stay there for a few days after marriage or something. Yeah, we're yeah, not yeah. Gonna do that. And she said, we're not I'm not going to have to cook for your mom. And he actually told his mom she's not going to cook for you. Right, wow. so he cleared, he cleared it yeah. up. They thought they're really gonna have this sterile, so-called pure marriage in their mind. Subhanallah, they get married, and then the reality of life hits you. Her sister was gonna have uh, a baby, and she felt obliged to be the first one at the hospital. He had a problem with that. It's like that's what you're doing, right? You know, why are you uh, leaving me for so many hours and so on, right? Number two, they would go and eat at his mother's house once a week because she lived very close by. Okay, that's fine. Now. He told her, like, we have to contribute. You know, we have to take a dish or something. But you said, I don't have to cook. <laughs> so they slow, very quickly yeah. realized that this idea that we can have a non-cultural wedding is, or a marriage or a life is very, there are going to be parts of culture that we can't escape. Now, a lot of people, I've, I've heard some people say, I don't want to get married to a Muslim. I want to get married to a convert Muslim. Why? Because she doesn't come or he doesn't come with baggage. Yes, he doesn't come with the baggage or she doesn't come with the baggage you're used to they come with different baggage everybody comes with baggage it's all part of the journey right it's all part of the journey so but in terms of what you were saying what i would suggest is that you make a list of everything you're looking for in a spouse now don't be too you know uh, fantastical about that be serious be reasonable but then write down everything first uh, do on a microsoft word document if you want and then from there you put push up the indispensable, like this is necessary, like I can't do without this. And the others is bonuses, or you can even have three levels, however you want to do it. And then you start looking. And then after that, you'll slowly start seeing that reality is going to be very difficult. So then what you have to do is you, you're going to have to adjust maybe, 
right? Your list, mm -hmm. because remember, days carry on, the, you know, your life carries on and you better get married. And remember one thing for those out there who are listening, that the older you get, a few things happen. You get more particular because you have more experience in interaction with people. So now you st you're less ready to take risks. Also from a, 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 a brain uh, studies perspective, uh, it's only when you become about 27, 28 that you stop taking risks. You want to get married before that and take a risk because after that, you'll be more particular. The pool will be less. And you, you may find that it just gets more difficult. So go with that list, but then trim it down when you need to. And keep asking Allah that he gives you the best. And I believe, I really believe that if you do do it in the right way, Allah will give you the best. Also, don't get married to somebody. Uh, for example, let's just say I want to get married to somebody who wears hijab, but I found the person who doesn't but I'm hoping that they will afterwards. If that's very important for you, you're going to spoil the marriage afterwards. Yeah. You know, get married to somebody with the essential that you have, right? So, um, but there's a lot of other culture. Like there's some families, subhanAllah, they have to get married to doctors. In one country, one of our countries, right? There are so many female doctors, graduates, who are no longer doing medicine. They only did it because to get picked up by somebody of that wow. kind of right they had the money they're from wealthy families it's an elitist kind of thing where they must nice. do the medicine but they no longer are working and they didn't probably never intended to either just That's the crazy. degree subhanallah there are so many hiccups and obstacles like that we need to simplify it uh, absolutely you know, no. simplify it uh, with 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 that in mind, with um, all of those, you know, you, you mentioned like making a list. I think that's a good idea, and then you know, putting the priorities and so on. Um, uh, with with you know what you're looking for um, in a spouse, right? Because I guess a lot of people they they would just say, you know, I'm struggling to find someone who's compatible, um, mm. and this idea of compatibility as well. Um, how can we understand that as well? Um, you know, this whole idea that doesn't mean that you have to be exactly the same on, on all levels where I'm from Bangladesh, you're from Bangladesh, you know, I like tea, you must like tea and not coffee. Like, is that is that the exact thing that we're looking at when it comes to compatibility? Well, I mean, you know, me and my wife, initially, we used to drink different types of tea, you know, now yeah. we drink the same kind of tea, but initially, and that's not a problem. You know, subhanAllah, mm. there are certain leaps of faith you're going to have to do. If you trust in Allah and you want to do the sunnah, look, don't just jump into a marriage, you know, based on a few factors. I would say do a background check. Now, how do you do a background? You know, we don't have dating, so we, we don't do that. And dating is, has harms in many other, you know, practical ways as well, which, I, you know, I've mentioned in the book. I don't want to go into right now. But the main thing is that try to do your due diligence, which means that find some common friends and ask them about that person and their family. Right about them individually, maybe a classmate, maybe the brother of a classmate of, and and so on. Try to figure that out to the best of your ability. That's why if you get married to somebody closer to you, right in a closer vicinity, it's easier than you get married to somebody far away. Right, it just it just helps. Once you've done that, then, and they seem to tick all the main boxes, then along with your istikhara, and your duas then you, you, you have to take. Because you see, throughout history, people have done that, mm. right? To wait for the 100%, it must click. 
I get people and they say, I've been looking for 10 years, I can't find somebody. And I'm like, man, subhanAllah, there are like just so many boys and girls working out, walking around outside. Like, you can't find a decent person. Do you think people are all messed up or something? The Prophet said that if you think everybody's messed up, then you're the most messed up of them all, you know, the most destroyed of them all because of your perspective. I mean, I just don't understand. Then they think it's magic. They think it's somebody's done a spell on them and that's why they can't marry for 10 years. Right? You know, maybe there is somebody like that. I don't want to I don't want to belittle that idea, but seriously, come on, you know, just make your list and be reasonable about your list. Mm. Well, it could be worse, Sheikh. You know, you've got people who uh, they say, I'm not going to marry someone if they don't support the same football team as me. So if I'm a Man United fan, then they must be a Man United fan. And then they've restricted themselves no, even uh, further. To be honest, if they're fanatical about football, I don't blame them for that because that. So <laughs> I mean, I've seen Hanafis and Salafis have a problem in their marriage. Yeah. Right? If you do think strongly about something, then you do want in that sense because otherwise you're going to be at each other. Man United is like that or Liverpool's like this. And so, you know, there may be some truth to that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, on, on the final point, um, you know, we've discussed many different aspects of before marriage. Let's just say, you know, someone has, you know, mashallah, found the, 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 the right one that they're going to get married to, inshallah, they made those preparations to get married. What would you say are, what final tips would you share with someone who has now found someone ready to get married um, before they've taken that step? Just some final practical tips for them to, inshallah, bear in mind and to implement throughout their married lives um tips on once they've married once, once they've married basically yeah yeah okay so understand that when you first get married if you've done it well according to the sunnah there's going to be a romantic period right where everything is going to be perfect right because you're just in a euphoria right the dopamine is riding high and there's lots of oxytocin in the air and all the rest of it all right and then what's going to happen is that one day he or she, whoever it is, is going to say something. And you don't want your world to come crumbling down. As a man, you need to understand women. And as women, you need to understand men. They're very different. For example, many women will go through what they call po- uh, uh, PMT, post-menstrual tension, right? And where the hormones are imbalanced, and especially after having a baby, so these are certain challenges that you're going to have to... I've discussed all of them. One is money challenges. Number two is in-law challenges. Number three, extended family and in-laws. Number three is basically challenges with the children. There's a huge adjustment now that... So the man needs to now understand that my wife is no longer just my wife. She's also now a mother, right? So there's going to be a difference. The wife must realize that, yes, I'm a mother now, but I'm still a wife. I still have to fulfill his, you know, his rights. This is, this is generally the issue. Yeah. Um, and of course, then we discussed the selfishness aspect and not not rushing home all the time, and you know, getting investing in this new family, you know, being concerned about your in laws from both sides, right? Yeah. There's one woman which uh, she was complaining. She said he expects me to do everything for my in laws, but he's not even willing to accompany my father, for example, to an appointment, whereas he was free to do so, thinking yeah. it's not my job. Well, it wasn't your wife's job to cook for your parents. She's doing yeah. that. Reciprocate when you can, right? So, um, yeah, that, that's in a nutshell, I guess. There's so much more. There's so yeah. much more. Absolutely, yeah. You know, each of these aspects, I guess you can do a whole episode on just 
after marriage and you know all of these things so uh really good alhamdulillah uh, i think we've covered a lot of good points in terms of the book coming back to it uh which has a lot of these points the healthy muslim marriage where is this available sheikh if you can let us know for anyone that's listening right now that wants to purchase this book because mashallah the ilmfeed family is not just in the uk but international so how can how can others get hold of this of this book I think for most places, they can order it through whitethreadpress.com, the publishers directly, whitethreadpress.com. And I think if you're in America, there, there may be a local place for makkabooks.com if you're in America. But otherwise, mm-hmm. mostly whitethreadpress.com, you should be able to find it, inshallah. Ship inshallah. Jazakumullah khair, Sheikh. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, really enjoyed that conversation. Learned a lot myself. Um, and again, definitely recommend the book, um, to all of our Ilmfeed listeners and viewers. So thank you so much for your time and for your input. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. Um, and yeah, th- thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for tuning in to another uh, podcast episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something new, inshallah. Do check out the book. Do uh, subscribe to our channels on YouTube and everywhere else, inshallah. From myself, Shabir, from Mufti Abdurrahman, inshallah. Uh, we will see you next time. Until then. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.